caralho, Robio Fine, this is the Shaggy Show. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3. Good luck, Studio. All I wanted was a pie. And then I hatched out of an egg. Okay, bring the mic over. He's ready to record. I see your mental condition is improving. Is it metaphorical? Is it, is it deep? Is it deep? Good <laughs> boy. He's had all that shy is right. Jeez. So, me, Governor. It's the Shy Life Podcast. Hello, Hello. 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 600, Hello and welcome to another episode of the Shy Life Podcast with me, Paul the Shy Yeti. How are you doing? I'm alright. So what's this episode going to be about? Well, I think I probably uh, mentioned this a while ago. Uh, it's another poetry episode. We're celebrating the 20th anniversary of a book I wrote in 2003 called The Autumnal EP. Now, it's, it's one of my shorter poetry collections, but I'll, I'll explain more about that in a moment. Uh, we also have a special guest this episode. I'll tell you about that too uh, in just a mo. But let's run the theme music and then when we come back, we can get on with celebrating this little collection. All right, run that theme music. Darling, it's the Shy Life Podcast. <laughs> yes, well, it's a positive thing, Paul. The High Life, the Shy Life. I mean, I'll, I'll go anywhere for potato. Delicious. Hello, campers. You quite like a big bang, don't you, Paul? Good gracious. Well, that's a whopper. <laughs> go Shy Yeti. Oh, my he hasn't found out my secret. I love the Yeti test, it's my favourite thing. If you thought that was bad, just listen to this. Yeah, I, I'm strangely drawn to Yeti Uncle John's ankles as well. <laughs> I could eat more body weight in crisps <laughs> every day. Has anyone seen my hot sausage? It's all green and it's yum, 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 yum. Mm-hmm. Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait for it again. It's the Shy Life Podcast. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Look, mommy, I'm famous. <laughs> Marvellous. Marvellous, Paul. Hi there. So, the Autumnal EP was the second book I released in 2003. It was a shorter collection, and I think I just... I started writing new ones after I finished Go Forth and, and Divide, and I don't know why I didn't just wait until it was a longer collection. I think because I was very much into the idea of each book being like an album and the poems from each book that I posted on my blog because I had the blog by this stage um, was like the singles of the album and I liked the idea of um, releasing an EP which for music fans of a certain age um, uh, an EP would be perhaps be longer than a single but shorter than an album so maybe four tracks rather than 10 or 12 uh, there are more than four tracks in this collection. There are 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, 26, 27, 28, 29, 30, 31, 32, 33, 34, 35, 36, 30, about 37 
whereas most of my collections have at least 50. So, you know, it's probably the length of most people's poetry collections, to be honest. Um, so, before we get started, I just want to say that so because this collection is shorter, it runs to 94 pages, or no, 96, 96 pages. There's plenty going on in the collection. It's the usual setup where I've re-released this collection with photos and with an extended uh, sort of behind-the-scenes um, aspect where not only do I have the original comments from 2003, I have updated comments from 2013 where I mention if I've performed certain poems from this collection. There's also stuff from the blog about gigs I've been doing around this time. More about gigs that I sort of did in 2013 for Go Forth and Divide, to be honest. But uh, um, but so, yeah, it's an extended book. The back cover says, The Autumnal EP was published in late 2003, and it was Paul's fifth self-published collection, and his fourth to include completely contemporary compositions. Long before he became Shayetti, he was just plain old Paul Chandler. What hasn't changed is that he always wrote Dar first. Until now, the Autumnal EP has only been available alongside its sister volume, Love Songs for the Bitter and Twisted, uh, which uh, was reissued in 2014. Uh, so we won't be talking about that one until next year. This is the first time it has stood alone. This version is a special 10th anniversary edition. Obviously now we're on the 20th anniversary containing photos and behind-the-scenes information about the book. This collection includes many poems that Paul still performs today, such as All the Rage, Animal Cruelty, The Ballad of Tiny Elvis, Blue-Eyed Lover, Green-Eyed Freak, How Can We Be Wrong, Sometimes I Just Wanna, and Worn Romantic, but many that he doesn't, so sit back and enjoy. Obviously some of these poems you'll have heard over the years, but maybe not for a while, and some maybe... You won't have heard at all. I won't read all 37, but uh, yes, what I was saying earlier is that we do have a special guest this episode. I thought because this was a smaller collection, it would be a good time to get a special guest. And it's somebody who you'll know, and somebody who, continuing the musical analogy, somebody who writes song lyrics and is currently writing song lyrics for a new project of his. It's Muffley on tour. Um, and Muffley's going to be here. Uh, about halfway through the episode to discuss songwriting and uh, lyrics and, um, yeah, uh, sort of sharing experiences of... Because, obviously, I've often... um, I'm a bit of a frustrated lyric writer. Uh, I find that lyrics often inspire me more than poems do. And um, we sort of talk about that. And also my recent experience of writing with Harry, where writing a poem wasn't quite right for the music you couldn't write in quite the same way as you do i wrote a poem and then we had to stretch it and change it to fit the music and it was quite a different experience it does make me cross when somehow lyric writers are often it's often inferred that oh well they're not poets they're just they're just writing lyrics for songs like it's somehow less and i think it's actually probably a lot harder i mean aside from um all the snobbery you get about writing rhyming poetry in the first place from other poets. But, um, anyway. Um, not all the poems in this collection are rhyming poems. There are prose pieces as well. So I'll try and read you a bit of everything. And, um, yeah, after we've read a few, we'll, we'll speak to Muffley. But let's just go through the, the titles of, of the, uh, 
uh, of the poems in this collection. So we've got All the Rage, Animal Cruelty, Back Then, The Ballad of Shy Yeti, The Ballad of Tiny Elvis, Blue-Eyed Lover, Green-Eyed Freak, Call of the Mild, Claire Singing, Did Kojak Use Curlers, Directions of Attraction, Don't Change, Father Confessor, My Hairdresser, The Fearsome Panther of the Monzel Trail, Firework, For a Weekend, Gone Some Time Now, How Can We Be Wrong, Love's One to Five, I Want You Now, No I Don't, Just How Much I Mean to You, Most Bizarre, My Lover Is Lost, The Next Big Thing, Neil Poir, Ode to an Anorak, Pandora's Postbox, Power Dressing, Shaken Up, Sometimes I Just Wanna, Steal a Million, Telepathically Speaking, This Time It Was Me Who Done Wrong, Whispers of Song, Who Can Say, Why Aren't You Crying, Why Can't We, Warn Romantic, and then Tiny Elvis Original Version. Um, as I say, going to the back of the book before we start on the poems, we've got all of the dates of when the poems were finished. Most of them were written in 2003. I think every single one was written in 2003. Some some books I'd done previously, you know, depending on what time of year they came out, some would be written the previous year and then the beginning of the next year. And uh, sometimes I dig out one from the past, maybe update it. Um, uh, but uh, in this case, um, they're all 2003, except there's some mention of the poem The Next Big Thing. Um, having some, There's some sort of rewrite from 2010. I'm not quite sure. We might come to that, or we might not later on. So we, we've got stuff from behind the scenes. Each poem has a, a bit of information on what inspired it. And then I updated in 2013 when I performed these poems. So, for instance, Animal Cruelty was performed at a 2012 gig at the Poetry Cafe. It also appeared on... Because on, I, I forget about this. I, I did release a couple of albums, um, which I sold... Um, well, I think they're still available uh, on Bandcamp, Band I think. Um, and, um, yeah, I recorded... Uh, animal cruelty for th- one of those albums uh, so there's all that sort of thing things i just wouldn't remember now and he, a lot of these poems are triggered off by something or other or a particular person or a particular situation then we have some reprints from the blog about junk food and roller coaster about shows i did for junk food and there's even one or two poems that were on the blog from those collections so you have got you've got set lists uh, i mean a lot of these things are probably more interesting to me than they might be to you but <laughs> it's nice to have them because if you don't record them now you, you never will i did a um a show at the poetry cafe on friday the 13th of september 2013 it was called autumnal creepiness it'll be a scream with shayetti and co please come and help us celebrate the 10th anniversary of mr yeti's the autumnal EP, and we had John Smallshaw as our guest. So the poster for that appears at the back of the book, as does the poster for the Go Forth and Divide gig, which was on Friday the 19th of July 2013. And there's stuff from the blog about that, including every poem I read that night, and some of what John read, photos of John performing. John and I have probably been doing... I don't know when we started doing shows. We started doing shows because 
Callum's sister Julie was my manager for six months. She was working out whether she was going to um, be uh, like an agent. She was thinking about being a theatrical agent. So she had a few people on her books and she um, she helped me a bit. She helped me with my website and she helped me uh, with some gigs. We did a charity show for an animal sanctuary and that's when she introduced me to John who then was involved in every show I did until I, I stopped doing shows about three or four years later. And um, and so that was a good experience. Uh, I think it was a guest on an early show. Um, she didn't decide to continue doing the theatrical agent things. Uh, apparently I was her least demanding client. Um, most of her clients, she was arranging gigs for them and they... They wanted more. They wanted more. They wanted to be performing at the Palladium. They didn't want to be performing on a cruise ship or in a working man's club. That was beneath them. Every every show that they could possibly do, you know, they were they were they were the new Sinatra. Whereas I was like, oh, a gig. Oh, what with a guest? Well, I suppose so. Yeah, I, I was more. <laughs> I was always a bit of a. I like to have control of my shows. I didn't like to be out of my comfort zone. Really. Um, I always read from a script or from a, you know, I, I had I I used to print out my poems and laminate them, and so they didn't look like a scrap of paper I was holding, or I'd read them from the book. But yeah, I did them. I did my shows for quite a few years, like eight years or something, and it got more and more expensive hiring the venues because, except for one gig I did where I was asked to perform and paid, I did have one one paid gig. I mean, I think I got some money, maybe only twenty quid. But I also got free booze. Uh, so yes, one of my shows I was paid for. Uh, other shows I organised, I tended to give any money I made to charity just because it was nice to be able to do that. Sometimes I would recoup my costs so that I wasn't at a loss and then give what was left to the charity or sometimes I'd just say sod it and give everything to the charity. But uh, yeah, it just became a bit too expensive to do. And um yeah, I'm glad I've got video of shows I did. I'm glad I've got audio of some of the shows I did. And I've been able to use that on YouTube and on the podcast. But uh, so at the end of the book, there's also some, for some reason, one or two bits from a, a book coming soon. I'm not really sure why those are even in this book. One of them is a, is a story about autumn. The other ones are just poems, yeah, that were from a later collection. Possibly from a collection I'm going to be reading from... Um, around the time of my birthday my collection not as shy as i was for my 40th birthday but uh, so the first hand printed version of this book came out in winter 2003 this anniversary edition came out in september 2013 so yeah
let's start reading from it. Let's see what comes up. Let's read All the Rage. We lead the way. We're all the rage from here to Timbuktu. Working wonders on your love life. Replace the old with something new. We light the torch. We're all the rage. They cannot get enough. One week in furry knickers. Next sunbathing in the buff. Hey, don't you know it's all the rage to tango polka dot? Just be careful if you do, for trodden toes won't be forgot. Oh, can't you tell it's just the biz to dance and shout and sing? That I sadly have no rhythm, so alas, it's not my thing. Well, don't you know it's quite the style to wear your hair so wide? Sixteen-metre pigtails have just turned the fashion tide. You're lagging back, you're so last week, you're really rather trad. You have far too sleek a figure and insist on wearing plaid. In style, the business, all the rage. Trendsetters here and now, flaunt with misadventure, banish every sacred cow. Hey, just you wait, we'll be all the rage. We'll lead the way ahead. Be seen for what we're really worth. If not today, then when we're dead. These things you see are all the rage, though not for very long. One minute oh so right indeed, the next so very wrong. This is Animal Cruelty. Would you like to alarm a llama? Would you care to poke a pig? Or perhaps kneecap a kanga, though their feet are rather big? Want a trifle with a tiger, pea shoot a swan or two, or dunk a drunken donkey in a pile of steaming poo? Maybe pluck spines from a hedgehog, charge them money for return, leave a lion scared and naked, crown jewels covered by a fern. Could try cussing at a cart horse, or bitch slap a buffalo. Don't knock it till you've tried it, cause you simply wouldn't know. Make a lamb feel quite uncomfortable by shouting out, Mint sauce! Tease an owl with cryptic crosswords or old episodes of Morse. Move some noisy foreign tourists to a quiet mouse's hole. Steal a bear's prize pot of honey. Put a sheepdog on the dole. Would it make you very merry just to see a young calf die? Would you lure it home by mooing next it's in your cottage pie? Cause a tantrum with a terrapin, laughing rudely in its face. Keep reminding Mr. Hare about how the tortoise won that race. Slam dancer Salamander, send some stink bombs down the farm. I can see you gaily chortle at the thought of causing harm. So before you torture Easter bunnies, I will tell you now, please don't. You may find it rather funny, but the beasties surely won't. Um, back then, hmm, this is a, this is an autobiographical one. I see the one I was back then, barely 18, and in love with my best friend. I see the one I was, clutching a rucksack, shyly, bashful, having counted the minutes all week, all possible enjoyment tinged with the knowledge of how it will end. The days have now surely run their course. Time to go. I see the one I was, forcing laughter, although my heart was aching. How much I loved him then. It must have been obvious to people from the looks I gave him, my foolish crush, like some bright, overripe light bulb illuminated above my head, like a billboard lit up and announcing to all the world how I felt. My yearning felt like suffocation itself back then. I still remember it, recall the train pulling in as it does now, again today. I can recall waving goodbye with a smile that soon crumpled. 
I can remember uselessly fighting back tears. The feelings seemed so real, and I guess, in a way, they were. I certainly felt something, happiness, and then hurt back then. Things got better, but first they got much worse. It took me five years to really begin to shine again. I see the one I was. I remember it all as I passed once again through that station. Will I ever disembark at that same platform without remembering? Perhaps, but for now, my shell has yet to harden to that time so long ago. Back then, for today, it still feels like only yesterday. Yes, that's... uh, I was was very much one of those people who has crushes on people that they probably can't... um, they probably can't ever be with. And... um, Except, in this case, I had a terrible crush on somebody for one or two years, and then something did happen for about three or four months, and then it stopped happening, and in fact, the friendship was never the same. Uh, And it was all due to lack of communication, really. A lot of it on their part, um, not telling me that they weren't happy or comfortable or really that interested in me. There were probably a number of reasons. I'm probably being a bit hard on them, but because I was the one who was left um, in a strange city, a uh, university, uh, without them, even as a friend, it, it did hit me very hard and um, put me off people or dating or anything like that for quite a while, which is where Sutton Park came in and saved the day. But yeah, that poem was about going through that station. I remember travelling somewhere with Callum years later and I pulled into that station and it sort of reminded me how like 10 years before whatever I'd come to that station to see the guy and yeah it was really horrible being in love when you're like that age can be really horrible some people are like running around having so much fun and enjoying themselves uh, but not everyone is a sensitive um soul (laughs) and and perhaps you know I know plenty of people who just had such a great time and well they never speak about heartbreaks or sadness or anything um at that age it's just moving on to the next one maybe although maybe they're just not being honest or telling the full story i don't know and there were plenty of people who went through the same as i did but uh yeah it's horrible even when i thought things were good i was really sad um when i wasn't with him and wanting to be with him and just being with him once a week. I'd travel all the way to where he worked to meet him for lunch, like once a week or something as well, so I'd see him. And I don't think he really wanted that, really. I don't think... um, Yeah. I have a tendency to choose the wrong person, but there we go. Um, There's a poem here called The Ballad of Shy Yeti. I think I needed to write a poem, because I was definitely using Shy Yeti by 2003. But I don't think it's my best one, so... I don't think I'll read it today. Uh, I will read The Ballad of Tiny Elvis. Um, I won't read the original version because it wasn't... I think the original one is happier. I can't remember. Where is it finished? I think I think there's a difference between what happens. Yeah, it's it it's, has less of a, a tragic ending, <laughs> the original. But to me, it feels like it's un, unfinished. So I'll read, I'll read the version that was published here. Um... I think Tiny Elvis comes... I think Tiny Elvis is a character in a film, maybe. Um, I might have said... I might have said... I might have found out where. Apparently, Tiny Elvis is a character from a Saturday Night Live sketch from 1992. 
but uh, Callum called one of the girls in the library where I worked when I first met him, Tiny Elvis, because she was quite short. When I found out where Tiny Elvis came from, I, I thought, well, Saturday Night Live never really got shown in the UK, unless they did on satellite TV or something. But he said that somebody, a friend of his from college, was always going on about Tiny Elvis, so presumably had seen the sketch and found it funny and kept going on about it, and that's why it was in Callum's head. These things are very strange, these connections. Um, the Ballad of Tiny Elvis. She was tiny, tiny Elvis, quite as tiddly as a bee, down there, standing on the pavement, up your trouser leg could see. She was little, she was weeny, she had tried to grow but failed, could be blown away by breezes and very often was inhaled. If got chased by horny beetles, tiny Elvis fought them off. In the winter, if she caught a cold, she would get an ickle cough. She was diddy, small like freckles, she no bigger than a mite. On the back of a mosquito, tiny Elvis took a flight. Flying off to Vegas City, had her heart set on the stage, where microscopic talent, it would seem, is all the rage. Tiny Elvis sent a postcard, said was getting up a tan, at a Meta-Texan cowboy in a battered chip-shop van. She was singing in a club now, she had got her headline show, and was married, hours later, by an Elvis clone called Joe. She's a star now, Tiny Elvis, Vegas stardust in her hair. Does she like it? Does she ever? Curls her lip and answers, yeah, uh-huh. She's not so tiny as she was when last we saw. Once no smaller than three inches, now has grown to nearly four. There's no doubting Tiny Elvis has a brain ten times her size. She fought for what she wanted. Tiny Elvis, it came as no surprise. She got all that she wanted. Tiny Elvis, never smug. Just a pity that the cleaner did mistake her for a bug. Just a pity she was swatted. Just a pity now. She's dead. Tiny Elvis makes more money since her guts were splattered red. Oh, so tiny, tiny Elvis tried to put her world to rights. What sorry price she paid for stardom just to get her name in lights. Poor tiny Elvis. This is blue-eyed lover, green-eyed freak. Such a blue-eyed lover, my green-eyed freak. Gets so darn jealous he cannot speak. His eyelids twitch, his knuckles crack. Entombed within his flashermack. Face taking on a growly leer. All fluffy love swift disappear. He'll not say a word, just stand and hiss. Quite immune to my lover's kiss. Quite unmoved by gentle hugs. Or home-cooked food. Or class A drugs. Solid, staring, statue still. It's possible he's kinda ill. Blue-eyed lover, green-eyed fool. About to snap, you're icy cool. Blue-eyed lover, green-eyed freak. How much I love your jealous streak. I'll read this one, Claire singing, because this has a story behind it. I was kind of dating a guy around this time who was the manager of a jazz singer called Claire Teal, who I think is now pretty famous. At the time, she was, she'd was she released a few sort of albums on a small label that uh, my friend managed, and he, he was her manager, but I don't think he continues to manage her. I, I don't really know because I lost contact with him. Uh, I only knew him for quite a short time, really. And I never met Claire, but I was given copies of her albums uh, at the time. And... Uh, I, th- I I was quite impressed because I was kind of interested. I probably would have been interested to have met her um, with, uh, had we sort of uh, stayed together longer. Well, I wrote a poem. I don't know whether he ever passed it on to her. And I, I never 
gave it to her. But uh, he may have shown it her or emailed it her. But uh, anyway, this is called Claire singing. Somewhere, someplace fabulous, far from the city rush, I know she will be singing some gorgeous tune, so listen, hush. Do you hear her? It's Claire singing. It's the sound of the band and they're playing tonight. There's a hustle and a bustle all around this town today. There is always hustle bustle, but you know, I feel okay. Cocooned within my iPod world, I'm simply blocking out the sound. The noise of passing chaos and the rumbling underground. There's a sweet voice which I carry in my head, a voice that calls. One that conjures up the summer and the sound of waterfalls. In my mind, the band is playing some alluring, soothing song. So despite that hustle bustle, I know nothing can go wrong. It's the sound of Claire singing. It's the sound of the jazz band that's playing so right. There's busyness that's building, a traffic hum that grows and grows, but I'm lying with my eyes shut as if time is simply froze. Cast my mind into eternity, let melody wash through. Please just take me somewhere clear and simple. Please just take me someplace new. There's a hustle and a bustle and I'm floating high above. The music liberates me and it, and it reminds me of my love. It's just the sound of the chorus singing. It's a sound makes my heart really swing. When alas my flight is ended, when alas the tunes are gone, when I'm lost amongst the crowds and can no longer feel the song, I still hear Claire's voice, it guides me, California dreaming right. I can see her up ahead now, sings the way you look tonight. I'm pushing through the throng now, as I search to reach the stage. Her words ring in my head, a photo shoot glimpsed on a page. She is there, yet not before me, smiling from a billboard high. None can erase her singing, not however hard they try. But somewhere, someplace fabulous, far from this city crush, I know she will be singing, so sweet and tender. Listen, hush. It's the sound of Claire singing. It's the sound of her band. Play forever tonight. Yeah, I think that's sort of self-explanatory, really. You know, when you're sort of listening to an iPod, although people don't really use iPods anymore or or they do less and less. They probably have their music on their phone or whatever. But, you know, maybe the phone is just a form of iPod. And, uh, yeah, you're in, you're encased in music. You're just going through your routine, your commute, travelling about, and then you're just completely transported uh, by the music. And um, and uh, that's what I was trying to convey there, I think. I think um, the album that had come out, she'd covered California Dreaming and The Way You Look Tonight, uh, along with other sort of more traditional jazz standards uh, and maybe some original material too yeah i'd stand by that it's probably a shame she never got to see it uh, but i'll read this one now did kojak use curlers did kojak use curlers did he ever use a comb did little orphan annie ever find that perfect home did bart simpson ever grow up was gandalf really wise how come no one ever saw through superman's flimsy disguise did Tom and Jerry ever make up? Why Lee Coyote catches prey? It never did occur to me that Big and Little Ted were gay. Did the Doctor get a compass or time travel GPS? Did Moriarty shrug his shoulders, turn himself in and confess? Did the Muppets oust Miss Piggy? My God, she really was a bitch. As was Wurzel's love Aunt Sally and also Oz's Wicked Witch. Did the Wombles keep their common, clean, sparkling, brand new? Did Eeyore turn to Prozac so he wouldn't feel so blue? Did Dracula have a change of heart and finally see the light? 
But what of Mary Poppins? Did her brolly last the flight? Did Harold Steptoe make his fortune, maybe leave his moaning dad? Folk let their lives be trampled, but for some it's all they had. So did Kojak use those curlers, or perhaps a large toupee? I think deep down we know the answer, but we're just too polite to say. Quite a few um, names there from books and films and Kojak, um, 70s detective, Little Orphan Annie, Bart Simpson, Gandalf, Superman, Wiley Coyote, um, Muppets, Wombles, Eeyore, Mary Poppins, Howard Steptoe, for those who don't know, was a character from a show called Steptoe and Son, and perhaps the other one, Little Ted, Big and Little Ted, they were toys from a kid's show called Play School, that's a very British reference. Most of those references are more sort of universal. Though. But, uh, this one's called Don't Change. Don't change. You don't need to swap. No need for the Botox or that unpleasant op. You really should stay. Hate that you might be gone. Caught on the hot when you've got nothing on. No need to refurbish a quick nip nor tuck. Because that sort of thing always leads to a ruck. Don't change. Don't go zooming away. You are better off here despite all that folks say. Yes, your love of the great may well make you fall down or sleepwalk into work in an old dressing gown. Your bad habits are awful, still we find them endearing. We refuse to believe any gossip we're hearing. Don't change. Don't try turning that leaf. You are great as you are. You are top. You're the chief. Your mad lunatic schemes drive us right up the wall, entertaining and better than no plan at all. No quick turnabouts, no need to progress. Set out there in stone, try to place, I would guess. Don't change, when you stay just the same. Alterations aren't needed, only ending in blame. You're a beautiful mess, love however you are. At the top of your game, or squashed flat by a car. Don't chip away at the stone, till there's nothing there left. Cause we'd know if you changed, and then we'd be quite bereft. There's one here called the Fearsome Panther of the Monzel Trail. There is a place called the Monzel Trail. It's a bit of a strange one. I, I, I don't think I'll read it this time. I think it's about... I think maybe on the Monzel Trail, which is that Derbyshire way, there are rumours about this fearsome panther. You know, there are stories all over the UK of um, wild animals, like the odd panther or whatever, um, who escaped from a collector, perhaps, in the 60s or... Um, and, and and I'm sure it's all old wise tales and how, you know, if it was just one panther and it escaped, then it presumably would be dead by now and it would never have found a mate. Anyway, there was the story about there being a, a panther on the loose on the Monzel Trail and I decided to write a poem about some people who um, dressed as a panther to, to perpetuate that opinion. Meanwhile, the real panther got so annoyed by this... Um, activity that it that just gave itself up and went to live in a zoo but um, I don't think I'll read the actual poem this is called Firework never really been used before stored away, left in the box on the shelf brushed off occasionally, briefly glimpsing the light, but soon packed away again by indecisive hands until now, for now is the moment, now is the time, ready and set to explode, awaiting fire fizzling and smouldering, eyes bright ready to shoot off into the night, with never a thought of a turn, for there is no going back. He's a firework about to flame. How marvellous to stand back five paces and to watch him fly, so high and so bright, knowing that I was the one who lit the blue touch paper.
that uh, that is based on somebody I dated who was very closeted when I met him. And although things didn't work out because he got, well, he got cold feet and then I eventually moved on and then he came back sort of saying, I'd like to try again, but by then it was too late because I was seeing somebody else. But he did go on, maybe not the next relationship he had, but the one after that, he married the guy, they adopted a kid and he's totally out to his family and I like the idea that I was his first boyfriend and that I helped him on that way. He probably, in many ways, he probably lives a much more open life than I do around my family, at least with my parents, because they're pretty old-fashioned. Whereas his parents were a lot more, well, they were younger and more liberal, and and it, and it turned out not to be a problem that he thought it was going to be after all. And uh, it's it's um, yeah, it's really nice to feel that. Uh, I hope he feels that I helped him, you know, start in his dating life. I, you know, we, we certainly, we have kept in touch. Yeah, and I wrote that poem soon after we'd, we'd split, but I, I, the only thing I think about reading that poem is, am I being really arrogant or egotistical to feel like I've somehow, oh, I somehow helped him, oh, what a saint I was. But, no, I, I did sort of help him. He was in his late 20s when I met him, and I, and I was a just about to turn 30 or a little bit before 30 and you know he hadn't dated anyone for you know all those years or not dated who he really wanted to date so yeah I think I helped him it's one of those weird situations where somebody sends you a message back when um I think it was uh Friends Reunited I'm sure when Friends Reunited sort of started to fizzle it sort of turned into like a dating site somebody must have seen my Friends Reunited profile or something and sent me a a sort of date thing and I replied and then we wrote for a bit and I thought hey up this is going to be a scam and then when he sent his photo I was like "Ooh, okay and they turned out to be genuine and we dated for uh, quite a while um uh, well uh, a year or so and um yeah because <laughs> that was kind of the early days of doing that sort of thing on the internet really 2001 or two whatever um and you also you kind of think oh it's going to be a scam it's not going to be the guy in the photo it's going to be somebody who's about 700 or something and no it it was the guy and he was really shy and (laughs) drove all the way up to meet me and um anyway i'm waffling this is called for a weekend The love of my life for a weekend. Three days coupled up in harmony. Meeting you at the bus stop and liking you instantly. Coy at first, but then brave beyond belief. Given a little time and some well-measured, lagered flirting. Floating on a boat of contentment. Hand in hand, cuddled up on sofas. Two single beds, crowded up as one. Hiking out for ice creams and for chips. Against all odds. Getting on like a mouse on fire. Squeaky-nosed and teasing. Sitting there by the lakeside, like two old friends, just smiling. We laughed so much that weekend. There you were, looking fabulous in just a towel. Watching you washing up dressed like that became my favourite pastime. Divas sung for our delights, to hour-long kisses, which melted like butter. Sharing a bath just for the fun of it, even though we didn't really both fit. Go all the fire brigade! Rugged and raring to go, I was that sexy bugger that you needed back then, and you were mine. Those were special days. Maybe we will meet again. Could we? 
Should we try for one more fleeting, sweet weekend? This reminds me that 2003 was... Um, I had quite a lot of singledom in my 20s when I was doing Sutton Park. Um, and then started to date people. And then I went out with the guy I mentioned who was closeted. And then just before I was 30 in 2003, I kind of ended up going out with lots of people or a few people in the hope that some of those people who were friends with benefits, I guess, I was kind of hoping that one of them would turn into something more permanent. And it never really did. And the guy in this poem, in for, for a weekend, was... Um, I can't remember how it came up. I was going to the Lake District, and I don't know if my plans changed. Possibly it changed because I stopped going out with the closeted guy. And um, I kind of said, well, if you want to come for a weekend... And we were friends on a site called, I think, um, Out Everywhere. I think that's where we met. I'm still Facebook friends with him to this day. But we had this weekend, and it was perfect. And we got on so well, and it was so funny. And it was really nice. And I'd have gone out with him like a shot. I mean, he lived up north, but so did my closeted boyfriend. I, I, I was happy to travel. I didn't have to have partners just down the road I was quite happy to travel I mean I eventually married somebody who lived in LA and dated them for three years two or three years so yeah distance has never been a problem and yeah the guy in this poem I, I would definitely have met again but it never happened I think we did meet for a drink and um, when Callum and I happened to visit his hometown many years later but yeah don't know it was just a moment a sort of a weekend and it was unrepeatable i suppose but i still think of it as very fondly i'm not very good at remembering things from the past i think it's nice to have that poem because i must have written it around that time and i think if i didn't have the poem i wouldn't remember the details i would associate the guy with oh that was a lovely weekend but i couldn't have told you anything about it and really the only thing i can tell you about it is what comes from that poem I know the line about getting on like a mouse on fire. I think that was like one of us tripped over our words and said something like, oh, we're getting on like a house on fire, but said mouse by mistake. And I tried to encompass bits in the poem. Um, or, I mean, I guess that's more of a prose piece. It's nice because it was just a moment, a few days, a couple of days. Um, now I'll read one more and then we'll have our guest. This is called Gone Some Time Now. This is... I wrote a poem when my great-aunt died in 2001 called Waves, and this was sort of a couple of years down the line. And I don't think it's probably not um, as good as Waves, but I just wanted to write about how I was feeling about the fact that two years later she was still gone. Um, it's gone some time now. You've been gone some time now, all the things you've missed. How many babies would you have kissed? How many fates would you have run, making fruitcake baked by the ton? You'd have burnt the leaves and swept the yard. From behind net curtains kept your guard. You'd have patted dogs, boiled up a brew, gossiped in the pension queue. You'd have talked to Maud if she'd been around. Bought a sweeties, half a pound. Chomped them till melted away. Gone off to church, intent to pray. So many hymns you could have sung. Think back to days when you were young. Ladies' outings on the Blue Rinse bus. To garden centres, cream teas a plus. Though you've gone, we say, she'd have liked it here. 
in quiet moments till shed a tear. You've been gone some time now, no more games of whist, nor crib, nor rummy, you're bloody missed. Right, uh, it's time to speak to Muffley now about songwriting, writing lyrics, poems, well, all sorts of things. And when we come back, we'll read some more from the autumnal EP. Enjoy our chat. lyrics and writing poems and, and and all that sort of thing and we've got a special guest and it's it's muffly on tour and muffly's here hi muffly so hello 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 I, I often say that i sort of i'm a frustrated lyric writer and sometimes my my um poems are deliberately written in a sort of verse chorus style or like the one I wrote with Harry last year, I wrote it as a poem and then Harry tweaked it to fit his music and we totally changed it from being a poem into being a song lyric. Um, but I mean, that was the first thing I'd done for a while like that. But you've written song lyrics and you're writing the song lyrics at the moment. Um, yeah, I just wondered what your experiences were and your thoughts were on that sort of thing. Because I often think that, you know, I prefer song lyrics to poems. Um that's my inspiration anyway, is, is, is song lyrics, not not poets. Okay. I guess just to turn it around, first of all, I would say that quite a lot of musicians are frustrated poets. <laughs> <laughs> I think some lyrics in songs can just be absolutely spot on. And I think um, poetry is seen as this like sort of side issue, a bit maybe sort of like sort of flowery and a bit sort of English lit. But at the end of the day, people listen to music all the time and they're listening to poetry, if you think about it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I used to, sometimes when I do my poetry shows, I take a, a favourite song lyric, um, like a, a kink song or or even things like, that. There's, there was a, a, a Katy Perry song where I thought the lyrics were actually very Noel Caradish. And so I read them. It was about her being at a party. And um, last Friday night, I think it's called, and, and I wrote, read it in as Noel Carrad sounding voice, and it just sounded like I've been to a mother's party, but from the 2019 or, or from the 2020 teens. But, uh, mm. I mean, um, someone, a music critic, being slightly sneery, described Queen as being Led Zeppelin fronted by Noel Coward. And if you listen. <laughs> To certain sort of Freddie songs, Freddie lyrics, where it's like lazing on a Sunday afternoon and you're my best friend, or no, no, that's a John Deacon one, sorry. Um, but definitely sort of the Fle- Freddie lyrics, you can see that like there is that kind of sort of Noel Coward kind of sort of thing going on. And uh, I'll touch on this and I'll sort of tread delicately um, a band that I think we both grew up with. Uh, is the Smiths. Now, obviously, I'm going to tread lightly on sort of what's happened to their lead singer since, but uh, uh, Morris's lyrics are very interesting. And uh, one thing I would say, I watched a video of Johnny Marr playing um, 
just the guitar to a Smith song. Mm. I can't remember which one it was. Like this, it might have been this charming man, for example. You know, the classic sort of intro and stuff. And it's great guitar work and stuff. But when you play it on its own, it's just like, yeah, very nice. But it is the lyrics that sort of make mm. the song. Yeah. And um, one thing I've learned from being, quote unquote, a musician for nigh on 35 years is that sort of you can sort of have all the musical chops, but you need to have the lyrics that are going to sort of elevate a song Mm. to make it sort of something better. I mean, I was saying recently to somebody, a song without lyrics or good lyrics, shall I say, is a bit like having a house without a roof, you know. So yeah, yeah. So I, I, I mean, when it comes to Morrissey, I remember people saying saying when I was uh, somebody somebody criticised me for, for not being depressed. I was like, why, why are you listening to the Smiths? You're not depressed. I said, well, I don't find them depressing. I find him witty and funny and and clever and um, you know cert- certainly sort of a lot, a lot of his and his early solo stuff uh, is it's clever. It's clever. It's not. Um, it may be dark humoured. Well, I'll, I'll be cheeky here, and I don't mean to refer this to anybody we know, but <laughs> in terms of podcast, we hate it when our friends become successful. Great, great, <laughs> great, just great tag, great melody, and off you go. Like, the song writes itself, yeah. Yeah. Um, certain people I know from around the same time as well is that is along the same it's almost like a re- rewrite. I mean, it's on the same album, I think. But it's 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 almost the same, like a sister poem or brother poem of that. Of, of, we hate it when our friends become successful. But, um, yeah, I, I, um, I, one of the reasons I stopped doing poetry as much is that I felt that I'd sort of slipped into a very similar structure. Um, I, 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 the stuff I write that isn't doesn't rhyme. I'm always a bit like, is this really a poem, or is this sort of truncated prose? Um, it, 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 I, 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 around the time I was doing a lot of my, my poetry, I, I found people, other poets, being very snippy about rhyming poetry. But that's probably because, you know, there is a lot of bad rhyming poetry out there. But you know, the the, the point is to try and do it well, um, and. You know, it's it's like doing a very, doing rhyming poetry well. It's like doing a very very hard crossword puzzle really well. You, you know, you you don't give up when you're not getting the right answer. You keep persevering with it, and you rewrite things, and um, you you don't just write the first thing that comes to mind. It should be a, a skill, a talent that's valued, and I don't think um, um, it, it is often by other poets. But I found the audience really like the rhyming poetry. It's interesting um, you say that because I go to Wharf Chambers in Leeds and they do an open mic night and there is that sort of uh, thing where you get people doing rhyming poetry and it's just a bit predictable and some of it's a bit corny but then you'll have someone who rock up and they'll just like do something and it's like 
oh, that's great. That's like sort of completely out of the blue. I, I do think it's partly down to performance because even a slightly trite line, if it's done with a bit of cheek or a bit of, I, I mean, I'm definitely guilty myself of now and again doing to something where I'm kind of like, this is going to be trite. But if, when I read it, I'll kind of do a knowing wink at the, the audience or, or, you know, as, as, as much as. It, it's, it's almost like, I know this bit's going to be bad, but I'm kind of getting a, uh, uh, hoping to get a laugh because you know that was a kind of a cheeky one. Um, but I'm not doing every, I'm not doing it every poem or, or very often. But uh, um, well, there was one stage where I'd written quite a lot of rhyming poetry, uh, and I wasn't sure what to do with it. I'd written it back in the 90s when I was at school, and I was writing uh, some prose, and I thought I, um, I kind of like some of these poems still. This is before I started doing the books, and I thought I'm going to write about a, a character who she's a poet, and she doesn't really like the sort of poems that her audience does, but she writes them anyway. And then that allowed me to sort of use those poems. Uh, but then I started thinking, no, I should, if I like them, I should just say I like them, and and, and yeah, sort of got back into doing po- poetry and sort of being open that you know I, I like this, so I wouldn't be reading it. I mean. Some of my earlier stuff, you know, think things, you know, you you learn and improve, and you know, perhaps you don't like some of the early earlier things you've done, but uh, as much. But amongst those, there are ones you do still like. So it, it's a, a funny situation. But I guess for me, I'll rewind to when I was in a band in the nineties, and um, I mean, musically, we all had our chops and stuff. But um, in terms of the songs we did, um, it was the songs that sort of had a story to them or about something. So that's the other person that, (laughs) dare I say, I've got to tread carefully, that's been in the news recently with uh, Roger Waters, because Roger Waters has gone off on one of his um, uh, rants, shall we say, because he was always the lyricist for Pink Floyd. And he uh, said, sort of correct, sort of not. Oh, Pink Floyd would be nothing without me. Or like, I... No, first of all, I'd say, like, no, it's, it's a collaboration. Pink Floyd needed the other people. Yeah. Um, but um, he was always the, the lyricist. And, like, um, one thing he said was like, you know, songs have to be about something, which I do agree with. And like, when I go back to when I was in my band in the 90s, um, the songs that were more successful, I would say, um, obviously they were musically interesting, but they had um, a bit of meat on them in terms of what they were talking about. And in terms of, and I'm not... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the what our uh, one hit well it's not hit single but the one that used to go down well was a song of ours called casual affair mm. which um was very much and this may be applied to lots of people um was that living in london thing in the 90s and just sort of basically enjoying yourself let's put it like that politely yeah um i think me and you have had our own experiences <laughs> of that um but the lyrics which I'd done for that song were like sort of they were good and they sort of they seemed to sort of strike a chord pun the pun um so that that was an example and the thing now that's happened after 25 years 
the band that I was in has like sort of fired up again. And it's interesting because it's basically me, the drummer and guitarist. But the thing is, we're all sort of multi-instrumentalists, all the rest of it, blah, 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 blah. And what's happening is, is that everyone's firing in loads of musical ideas. <laughs> and without fail, I keep saying, have you got any lyrics for that? <laughs> have you got any lyrics for that? Because otherwise, it's just kind of, as I've said before, it's like a house with no roof. And so um, what I'm doing very much so in my old band, which has started again, is trying to sort of shape it and press the others to say, yeah, it's great having your sort of, you know, guitar riffs or whatever it is. But like, it literally means nothing if you've not got any sort of lyrics that go go towards it. One example, which I was thinking of before we talked, actually, um, which is a bit of a strange one, is um, Smoke on the Water by Deep Purple. Mm. Um, so with Smoke on the Water, you've got that classic, classic riff, the... Duh, uh, 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 but I always think the thing that makes that song special is the lyrics, because basically it's autobiographical. It talks about when they were in um, Montreux and something happened and they were doing a gig and actually the, the, the place they are in, really, I think it, it burned down. And so it, it tells a story. And obviously the thing you get a lot with heavy metal songs is that they can be a bit cliched and corny. They can be about dragons and... God knows what else and this, that, and the other. But with Smoke on the Water, one of the brilliant things about it is it's literally telling this story about, like, yeah, the fire burned down in Montreux, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I think if you were to take away those lyrics and just had some kind of, like, oh, baby, baby, I'm going to give it to you, baby, it would just be another, like, kind of trite rock song, basically. So, um that's an example in my mind of how lyrics can be so important. Yeah. It reminds me of, um, there's that Mamas and Papas song. I think it's called, I don't know how to pronounce it. If it's Creek Creaky Alley, which is, it's basically about how the Mamas and Papas came together with all the characters and, um, and, and, uh, he's sort of, sort of potted biography up to that point. <laughs> mm. Yeah. W- one of the things that I, I found as, as I was, sort of beginning to say uh, I felt that I was falling into very similar patterns of of, of, poet, of verse like the, the structure was very similar obviously the way I I did it with Harry I'd, I'd written the poem but to fit it with the music he'd written we had to totally restructure it which probably was a good thing for it but um, but, I, but I, I, I do think that if I'm going to do more poetry I, I, I want I may try something that I've tried once or twice before where to get myself writing in a different pattern, I've taken lyrics of a song and, and I've sort of written my own stuff over, but using their pattern. If you sure. Think. Yeah, absolutely. You know, yeah. Like I did a very silly poem, which came one of my end of, um, uh, like the thing I would do at the end of the show. I did, I would eat pies, which was using nice. the rhyming pattern of I will survive. Um, it, to, even to the point where each each line ended with the same rhyme, well, the, not the same word, but the same, um, and, and and you could have sung it to "I will survive" had you wanted to, and I was 
um, encouraged to do that once, <laughs> only once. <laughs> but uh, um, but yeah, yeah. But that got me writing in a different rhyming pattern. Um, I, I don't, I don't know. Uh, when you've written lyrics, have, has, there, has the music always existed, or did how did which way round do you write? Uh, have you written? Um, I would say it's changed now. Previously, it was the music, and then it would be like, I've got to fit some lyrics into this. Uh, partially, just with age and experience, it's it's turning more to the lyrics. That, like, um, I've got a song that I'm working on at the moment, and I've got a bit of a riff. It sounds a bit... 10cc a bit steely down it's a bit of a shuffle thing going on um and i think the main thing for me now is like hooks mm. or like if you can get like a couplet which like draws you in so like this song is a bit like and i think <laughs> many of the listeners may appreciate this is the thing about sort of um you know and I hate to use the word geeky because that always has negative connotations. I think, um, you know, it's a positive thing to be good. So, like, um, I just had this thing when I was writing this, like, sort of boogie thing that was going on. And I came out with, I've never been a pool hall hustler, never dated the problem hall queen. Mm. So it's a bit American, yeah. you know, sounds like it could be out of back to the future. <laughs> but sort of with that, sort of those two lines, you can sort of jump off on that and sort of go with things. Um, and it basically sort of the, you know, the tone of the song is, yeah, I might not be like, sort of, you know, in the first team at football or whatever, but, you know, I found my own place and not everybody needs to be sort of like amazing at sports or as <laughs> we all know from various conversations with, you know, Troby, Martin and Warren and stuff, you know, I go into work and like everyone talks about football. Not so much now because I don't go into work that much. And like it used to be on Monday morning. Oh, did you see the match last night? It's like no, I didn't because football isn't the be all and end all of my life. So like, why would I do that? <laughs> and it's kind of that's the kind of sort of that's the theme. As I say, it goes back to that. It's being about something. It's saying, like, yeah, I might not sort of be into the same things that you do, or whatever. But like, I'm doing my own thing, and as far as I'm concerned, that's fine. So um, it's very much. I think also after I'd been in my band, which was like a group of close friends from Cambridge in the sort of nineties, and then um, we went our separate ways, and then the drummer was in another band, which split up. But him and the the main writer decided to do another band, and they got me in. And that guy was very much more of a sort of poet, straight lyricist. And it made me think more about lyrics, which was good. He kind of thought, yeah, don't don't sort of, you know, sort of skip on sort of the words. Although, interestingly, like the thing that I ended up finding frustrating was like I found musically it was a bit sort of restrictive. So it is it is finding that balance very much. So The other problem I have is that because of my interest in horror or sci-fi or weird stuff, a lot of my poems stroke songs. Um, it's, it, I can't imagine writing like a sort of straight love song, for instance. 
there's going to be some twist or some heartache or some bad bit or some strange bit. It's very, it's quite, I mean, when I was a teenager, all of my stuff was weird. And when I came back to it in the noughties, I was able to bring relationship stuff in, but it wasn't always happy or it wasn't necessarily always me. It might be, but it was probably some feelings I'd had and then whacked up to the max. So, you know, somebody being upset by the end of a relationship, it would, pro- they would probably turn out to be some sort of um, killer or stalker or some, someone really extreme. So I'd use those experiences. But I, I, I want to find a way of kind of, I don't know, becoming a little more normal, which is bizarre thing to be said. Well, no, I, I get that totally because I've been doing another another thing. I've got some music and it's got a nice melody and stuff. And, you know, I've been happily married for a number of years and it struck me. I've never wrote a song about my wife. <laughs> it's like, you know, it's weird because, like, as you say, you can do that sort of teenage angst thing about I'm in love with this person or this person's in love with me or we're in love with each other or like this person's dumped me. But the irony is I'm here in this situation now in my dotage <laughs> and I've not actually wrote a song about my wife and how lovely she is. So like, um, and as you say, it's like, actually that's quite hard. Cause like, um, you know, I mean, what I'm sort of going with the song is, it's very much the kind of like, she loves me to bits. And the main reason she loves me to bits is that she puts up with all my sort of, you know, little sort of, you know, sort of weird sort of habits and things and stuff. Yeah. I mean, the song that I wrote with Harry, which will be out by the time this comes out, um, uh, just to remind the listeners, it, it, it was about a, a couple and one, one, one dominating the conversation and kind of saying, almost saying, you're, you're kind of lucky that we're together. You're kind of lucky, you know, um, and I might even allow you, you know, I might even agree to marry you if you'll help fund my university degree. And, um, and th- then, then the fin- finally the other character gets to speak and there's there's a, a twist that that person has already poisoned that other person's tea, and that that's that, that, that there's there's no not going to be any future. Um, so yeah, not, not not a normal relationship, poem, more of a murder ballad, um, but um, f- fun to write. But yeah, a little bit a little bit a little bit off the off the. Um, the tracks <laughs> um and and i i don't think i i don't think i've written anything quite on that on that line i still felt yeah it's still quite it's still very much you uh, but um uh, I, so I, yeah so i i wrote so much i i uh, yeah i'm kind of waiting to think well i want to write something differently i also want maybe subject-wise differently, and I also want to write different structures, use different structures a bit more. One one thing I do with lyrics is sometimes I do what I call meta-songs, and I'll literally just draw up a list of subjects, and it takes me back to one of my English teachers at school, and it could just be a random list of subjects. So, for example, Winemaker's Dinner Dance. Mm-hmm which was the pe- the highlight of my parents' year. They didn't tend to go out much, um, but they went to the winemaker's dinner dance. And, it, and I'd like, all oh, right, let's, you know, let's, let's think sort of about that. And it wouldn't be like, 
my parents went to the moment. It'd be like, yeah. we're going out. It's a sort of, you know, make it ambiguous. And stuff. I mean, that's the other thing I do with my lyrics. Try to make it ambiguous. Like one of the ones I've done a while back was, I had a song called Your New Best Friend. And primarily it was that I um, had a situation where when I was in London, I used to knock about with a, a guy, a friend of mine, and we were like thick as sleeves, always going down the pub together. You always going to like the story at a club nights and this, that, and the other and stuff. Then he got a girlfriend. It's like, oh, right, I'm on my own now. What am I going to do now? And like, yeah, he's got his new best friend kind of thing. And um, so it was applying to a friendship, but it also kind of applied to like, you've been seeing someone and they're in a new relationship. Oh, that's your new best friend kind of thing. Yeah. Now, unfortunately, <laughs> now, unfortunately, in terms of music and melody, um, you're like this, actually. When I was working on it and I was coming up, right, let's have a banging chorus for this. It, it turned out that the chorus I had was basically USA for Africa's We Are the World. My new, your new best friend, da, da, da. you know, do you remember? Yeah. yeah. It's, like, it's like, all right, I need to change that and stuff. <laughs> so that's an example where I had the lyrics, but then the, the music wasn't there in place. So there you go. I, I did one about um, getting back. Me, I think it was, it was an a true life experience around the time when you had friends reunited before Facebook and stuff. And I did connect with a school friend who I've been very close with and discovered that um a few years down the line he yeah yeah it, it, i didn't i actually think i really wanted to be friends with him now i knew <laughs> so i kind of reconnected and then realized after a few instances of trying to do creative things with him and realizing that it was all about him like you go and see him in a play but he wouldn't come to a poetry gig it was like i'm the i'm clearly the star in this, in this you know it was a bit of a sort of you know i, I i'm thinking I'm, I'm i'm engaged i might even invite you to the wedding oh thanks cheers um uh yeah i i so i kind of wrote a poem about sort of sort of almost wanting to tiptoe backwards out of a, a reconnected friendship but uh, uh, it, it's it's sort of weird how those sorts of things happen in your life, and then you can do something with them. But. It's interesting. Like it's not so much to do with lyrics, but more to do with sort of when I was in bands. In terms of, um, I would do um, gigs, and I had like the long-suffering girlfriends and stuff, and um, I was in the usual situation that we all are with. Um, you know, performance and stuff, you know, three men and a dog, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> and like, it got to a point where um, the only way my girlfriend would <laughs> come and see me is if I like bought her dinner beforehand. <laughs> yeah, it's it sort of, um, tons of bit, that, that sort of thing, I think, probably inspired that song like with Harry. You think things like where somebody sort of, you almost feel like, oh, you're supposed to be privilege to be you know in in a relationship or or friends with this person like they somehow think they're better than you for some reason um and and you never even thought that that was uh you never even thought of it like that um, or, um but uh, 
I would just um, touch upon that, actually. That person in particular, in fact, um, when she was at uni, she was out of the guy that sort of went completely full on kind of, I'm an artist, I'm a musician. And basically she was very sort of battle damaged, so we say. Mm. So unfortunately, when it came to me, and obviously I, I did the old, well, of course, yes, I'm a creative and I'm an artist. And she's like, oh, God, here we go again. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, yeah, well, we can have more conversations about, well, because, you know, your your lyric writing is um, in um, on, ongoing and I'm kind of considering revitalizing re, uh, mine. The, the one thing I was going to say before, before we move back to uh, – the rest of, of, um, of me talking about my particular poetry book that this episode's about is um, um, Harry, obviously, along with yourself, contributes a lot of instrumentals for the, the show. But he, a lot of his songs, uh, you know, I've 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 sung I've sung one or two of them for him, and um, but there are a lot. Most of his songs, most of the instrumentals, do have lyrics, and. Um, you know, which is quite nice to see because Harry was never really a writer when we were at school. He was a mathematician, and so it's not only the musical side that it's nice to see. Which you know, I think he used to play guitar and things, but it's nice to see him do something with that. But it's also very nice to see that he's doing lyrics, even if you know, occasionally he'll say, um, you know, I, I'm not sure about this line, and and it's nice that you know he re- he respects that I've done a lot of poetry, and he'll ask my advice. And um, he's actually doing a songwriting course with Marcella Detroit mm. at the moment. Um, and, and he's a big fan of Shakespeare's sister and her. And, um, yeah, she wanted them to bring lyrics to one of the workshops. And, and he, he sort of said, what do you think, this one or this one? And, and, and I sort of, yeah, I think that, but I think maybe if you change that, that would, that would fit better. And so it's, it's nice to be able to collaborate with him because we didn't really have that sort sort of thing when we were at school, although he, you know, he obviously been in my projects, but he's doing his own thing now, which is, is really cool. The only thing I have said to him is that sometimes he writes the music and it, he writes the lyrics, they fit the music, but it's almost humanly impossible <laughs> to sing what he's put because it's a, it, it's actually you know where i need i do need to breathe at some point um so sometimes we've had to do sections and, and break it up just so that because it's just you know i'm not a professional singer i'm sure maybe a professional singer um i think even a professional singer would struggle with some of harry's i way it's written but i can kind of get around that because the guy in our band i mean we first started doing stuff together when we're at school and um he's always been a good singer. He comes from a musical family and stuff. And like, um, he could sing, for example, sweet child of mine, guns of roses, which has got quite a high sort of, um, vocal range, which I won't try now. And he, he is like a proper singer. And so what tends to happen is if I do demos, I'll do like a rough guide vocal and then he'll bounce it back to me. But the irony is, like, with his lyrics, he's not that great. But the good thing is we bounce it back to each other. So, like, it's like a sort of symbiotic relationship. Like, he will come out with, like, some corny lines. And, like, um, he, he did a song, one of the songs we're working on at the moment, actually. Sort of, and it was like, do you remember 
it was your birthday and like just the word birthday just didn't didn't scan very well and i said just change that to it was a good day because like it just sounds better and um that that's that's a good sort of relationship to have where you can sort of like have people where like they've got the their talents you've got your talents kind of thing so as i said i mean obviously safe to say if and when i mean it will be at some point this year it's a bit stop start at the moment for various reasons but the songs i'm doing on a band i'll sort of like give to you on the podcast and you'll get to hear them and stuff so you'll get to sort of you'll get to hear them and obviously i can come back later and explain sort of yeah. what happened with the creative process and i can say yeah. well originally as i said like that was rubbish and you know this that and the other so yeah. but i mean i'm in that fortunate position where like i do know like a good singer i mean some of the stuff that some of the podcast listeners may know about is like what i call the herb songs the ones that have well even including the um current shy life theme tune with the brass section which um i would like to do properly but what i'd like to do with that is get like an amy winehouse singer in and do that in the studio and with a proper brass section but obviously yeah that involves time and money and stuff yeah so that's probably sort of something which is going to take a bit a bit longer so um but um, I think it's very much when it comes to songwriting, it's very much play to your strengths, but also um, know your weaknesses and, and then sort of like sort of get other people in as well. And because oh. what happens sometimes, and I've heard this a lot, is that um, there was a guy at school who thought he could do everything. He was like, you know, lead guitarist blah, 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 producer singer but um he would do these fairly good rock songs but and no disrespect to him it basically sounded like billy bragg singing led zeppelin which didn't quite work out you know yeah. what i mean yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's difficult um but anyway we will come back and we'll discuss this more indeed and, and, indeed and i'll i i hopefully i'll i'll um, try try and find a way back into it as well. That's, that's I feel where I feel I'm doing something a little bit different as well. Anyway, right, listeners, time to go back, and I shall read you some more of some more poems from your tunnel EP, um, which is which is celebrating its twentieth anniversary. Happy birthday! <laughs> that chat okay the next one is called how can we be wrong loves one to five how can we be wrong this feels so fine i can't believe that you are mine i can't believe that you want me please to have my front door key you're my anchor when all hope is gone my life my breath my own true one 
How can we be wrong? This feels so good. I'd love to date you if I could. So gaily breaking every vow. If you've got the time, let's do it now. I'd love to wine and dine and woo. You're so unique, love number two. How can we be wrong? This feels so right. I'd love to see you every night. Should I throw all caution to the breeze? Have my cake and eat it, please? I'd love to take you round to tea. Introduce you as love number three. How can we be wrong? This feels correct. A growing harem for effect. Let's just say damn, forget the rest. Together in our heart-shaped nest. Let's frolic naked by the shore. My only love is number four. How can we be wrong? This feels exact. Before my life there something lacked. For you I'd climb a shallow hill. But squashing flies would make me ill. Your love light shines, O oh man alive. Don't change your bulb, love number five. How can we be wrong? This feels so fab. With so much choice and flesh to grab. I'd serenade your name in rhyme. I'd love to, but but there's just no time. I've got a call. I must be gone. Helter-skelter home to love number one. This is called I Want You Now. No, I don't. I want you now, scrub that I don't. I'll give my life, next week I won't. I'm quite unsure just what I need. Opinions change and change with speed. I want you to drop everything. Commitment? No, no, it's just a fling. I want you now, please leave the queue. I need someone, it's just not you. Perhaps we'll marry, please get divorced. Sometimes this love feels kind of forced. I want first choice hot men to see, to buy me stuff whene'er I'm free. I want you now. Hell, let's postpone. I've changed my mind, stay on my own. What do I want? My love, I'm charmed. But six months in, though, I'm I'm quite alarmed. I want my freedom, best stay single. Too much choice, I'd rather mingle. I want you now. Where have you been? All of my life, you don't seem keen. Ha, turn me down, that's not allowed. Your head must be up in the cloud. I want you now. Oh, scrub that, screw you. You won't have me, one of the few. This is just how much I mean to you. You shouldn't need reminding just how much I mean to you. You're adrift on dangerous waters like a ship without its crew. You're a horse without a rider, and despite your frantic pace, without me to swiftly guide you, you've you've no chance to win the race. Like a farm stall without produce, like a sunset lost in haze, I'm the spectacles you're wearing, giving clarity of gaze. Do you need me to remind you just how important I can be? I'm your extra speedy car ride when you've got the urge to flee. I'm your safe house when you're frightened, when you need a place to rest. Without me you'd be so bitter, citrus fruit without the zest. I'm your final destination. I'm the ground on which you camped. I'm the answer to your questions, your annual pass as yet unstamped. By now you'll be reminded just how big a deal I am. You're the beauty, I'm the brains behind our horrid fiendish scam. If not for me, you'd be washed out. If not for me, your life would crawl. You don't quite seem to realise, for you have not returned my call. You're a book without a cover, you're a home without a roof. You seem to think you'll outdo me, but then you never show the proof. So you choose now not to notice just how much I really mean. I pretended that I liked you, but no, I really wasn't keen. There'll be others, and you know it, because I made you all you are. But with me not there to guide you, I cannot see you going far. Or just you see if I am bothered, or just go back from whence you came. Because with me you'd hit the jackpot, and now you've lost your final game.
those three are all kind of about rather horrible people <laughs> who think that they are um, God's gift and can just muck people around and pick them up and drop them and yeah this one could be a response perhaps to uh, it's very melodramatic over dramatic but it could be a response to one of the nasty people from one of the previous poems this is called My Lover is Lost My lover was killed on the road crushed to death in a terrible crash only left with my memories and ten pence in hard cash My lover was killed in a high speed chase I tell them like that so I do not lose face. My lover was torched by the flame, cremated away in a fiery blaze. He saved a woman with child. He was lost in the haze. My lover is now just a charcoal remain. I tell them like that so they see I'm in pain. My lover was stolen away, never returned from a trip out to sea, gobbled up on Loch Ness by a man-eating bee. My lover is food to the fish. I tell them like that because it sounds kind of swish. My lover was kidnapped to space, taken away in a teleport tube by two alien fiends with an old Rubik's Cube. My lover's out there, starry blue. I tell them like that, but I know it's not true. I say that my lover has gone, make it sound really glam, never dull. Can't just say I was left in the lurch by my world-weary ex for some slapper from a hull. I have to string them a tale, tell a lie, to believe it myself until I learn not to cry. My ex-lover has breathed his last breath. I took my revenge, let him sample my scorn. Yes, I nagged him to death while he sobbed on the lawn. My ex-lover's no more, kaput gone. When I told the police, well, my grin must have shone. My ex-lover was bludgeoned. I must have cracked with the strain. Perhaps I taught him a lesson. Now he'll not do it again. Oh, blimey. Uh, there's one here called Nilpois. Actually, I don't think I'll read. Because um, it, it's... Um, that, well, th- around this time, probably 2003, there was a, a British entry of the Eurovision Song Contest and they um, didn't um, get any points. They got nil point. They sang out of tune on the night, or one of them did, or both of them did. I can't remember the full details. Probably says in the back the details. Uh, let's see. Nil point, nil point. Oh, here we go. Nil point. Um... Gemini scored nil point, uh, nil points, no points in the 2003 Eurovision Song Contest. I won't read that one, but I will read this one. Ode to an Anorak. When I first saw this one, I thought this was the uh, poem I wrote for Nick and Ali for their wedding. But um, it's not. I wrote a poem called Something Old, Something New, which was which I used for my best man speech for Nick's wedding. I don't know if I read that one when we did, when we did Go Forth and Divide, but uh, this wasn't exactly a sequel but it well it was about fans of sci-fi anyway here's ode to an anorak she gave an ultimatum she said he must buck up she was tired of his nerdy ways and that bloody star wars cup she was at the point of breaking couldn't stand his love of trek she simply couldn't bear blake seven it made her feel a nervous wreck she felt annoyed by his obsession with pretty princess leia's hair and she often mistook the Wookiee for a world-weary yogi bear. She was sick of his compulsions, watching sci-fi show by show. She told him quite implicitly, One of us will have to go. You must choose, or I am leaving. There's no room for all your stuff. Time to throw your toys away. Yes, enough is just enough. Either keep your old mementos, your childish tat, or else keep me. 
Make your decision quickly now. So which one is it going to be? He nodded at her meekly. He agreed she had a say. Suddenly put his hoovids into boxes to all be sold or thrown away. One last glance at all his autographs from cult conventions down the years. Bid farewell to his Ewok pyjamas and found himself fighting back the tears. He shambled off then down the garden, out there to his old tool shed. No more police box coloured, he must paint it brown instead. Back inside he packed his memories, then sadly hid them all away. He really didn't want to leave them, but she'd made it clear they could not stay. Sighing with regret, he put his fluffy triple toy down slow. He'd not been thinking very clearly, cause been filled right up with woe. How come she was allowed her hobbies? She liked boy bands, bras and spam. Dressed up to the nines for 80s discos, a case of mutton dressed as lamb. He held his precious Doctor Who scarf, although it was old and badly stained. It had loved him more than she had, kept him so warm whenever rained. No, he couldn't let her part them. How dare she try to nag him so? Science fiction was his first love. It was time for him to go. So he did. He went next day. She seemed surprised. Yet still she changed the locks. He didn't really care much. He had his tattered Dalek socks. Well, now he's very, very happy. He found a love who likes him fine. Almost as much as they both adore. Space 1999. His ex-wife she found another, whose vice was twice as bad. He practised it on a hersey, did old taxidermist Vlad. So a warning now to those who nag, who think they rank up there in first. Don't come between a fellow and his telly, because you're bound to come off worst. This one's called Pandora's Postbox, or The Postman's Morning After. I wrote this for a friend who, who was a postman. <laughs> Pandora's Postbox, what's inside cannot be guessed. Oh, the joys concealed within are like some demon's treasure chest. A dead haddock, flat booze, petty actor, Tom Cruise, a copy of Human League's Dare. Sticky chews, cart horse dung, rugby players well hung. Not too sure how that lot got in there. Fireworks still aglow, skiers covered in snow. It's amazing what stuff gets inside. Jam scones and a toaster, a large unruly roller coaster with an elderly monk as a guide. These things in post boxes, golden delicious and coxes, all there for my total delight. Oh, what charms now I've looked. One old turkey half cooked. One hound with a quite snappy bite. Why aren't people more kind? Send me nice gifts to find. A cake or a nice bunch of roses. But they don't, they send bats. Sweaty shorts and top hats. The contents of fluid noses. Pandora's post box. To do this job one must be daring. Oh, the joys they hide within. Yeah, thanks so much for sharing. Yeah, that, that was kind of based on conversations I'd had with with my friend Ian, the postman, about the weird things you find when you're a postman when you open the post box. Not always nice things. Not always things that um, are intended for posting. Yeah, this one was called Shaken Up. Shaken up, such an art form, cocktail master with the skill. Shake them up, the content swishing. It's a knack for which some would kill. Cocktail commando knows his punters what they'll drink, what hits the mark. Smart and sexy with the ladies, though they'll never catch his spark. Plays the game to make them happy. He'll be happy when they're gone. Meeting with a lover, tender moments, on the net and logging on. But for now he mixes cocktails. Those he likes achieve a hit whilst the ones who make his life a misery will get a glass shaken up with barman spit. So that last one was called Shaken Up. 
It was written about a barman friend of mine, although I think I used some um, poetic license there. I don't think he'd ever spit in a cocktail. But um, anyway, the next one's called Sometimes I Just Wanna. Sometimes I just want to be thinner. Sometimes I just want to be small. If I try not to eat so much dinner, perhaps I'll end up the belle of the ball. If I dance really crazy fantastic. If I strut with a confidence true. If I stopped wearing clothes made of plastic. If I didn't wear just the one shoe. If I tried really hard not to sniffle. If I tried hard to wiggle my ears. If I tried not to talk so much piffle. They might think I was Britney Spears. Sometimes I just want to be cooler. Sometimes maybe just win the prize. If I just tried to act slightly crueler, disappointment would be no surprise. If I brewed up a magical potion, if pretended it was cold when I'm hot, if I swam like an eel across the ocean, if I jumped up and down on the spot, if I sent out invites to a riot, if I set out to paint the town red, if invented a miraculous diet, they might worship the path which I tread. Sometimes I just love to be treasured, Sometimes I just wish I was queen. Is it wrong to demand that I'm pleasured? Is it wrong just to want to be seen? If I kept striding out on the level, if I said what I like, flaunting tact, if I just signed my soul to the devil, or made some kind of similar pact, if I screamed loud and gave it some welly, if I stopped getting drunk being sick, if they thought I was oh off the telly, they might think I was sex on a stick. Sometimes I just want to be classy, sometimes be the rock chick instead. If I'm moody or constantly arsy, maybe I'll pick up some diva-like cred. If I squandered my cash every dollar, if I blew all my money on shoes, if I dragged myself down into squalor, if I drank every penny to booze, if I dressed like some high-fashion singer, if I kept up with trends, stayed in vogue, would they think me not quite such a minger? Would they think I was Kylie Minogue? This one's called, This Time It Was Me Who Done Wrong. This time it was me who done wrong. This time it was me out of tune when in song. Yes, was I who made all those sarcastic quips about the cost of the Botox and your odd trout-like lips. Hark at me, did I say something wrong? This time it was me who lost face. This time it was me, yes, all over the place. It was me who just lost it, who was soon seeing red. Me there caught unawares in the nude, centre spread. I won't deny it was me who lost face. This time it was me out there playing the fool. This time dragging up I enjoyed being cruel. Was more woman than you, oh how very unfair. I laughed till it hurt, why on earth should I care? Oh how I love to try playing the fool. This time it was me caused the scene. This time it was me out there acting the queen. Yes, this time I was quite indisposed. I opened my mouth when it should have stayed closed. There's no doubt it was me caused the scene. This time it was me acted queer. This time was caught fighting and wielding a spear. Overheard planning plans in a ten-gallon hat on the M25, sighted dressed as a cat. Yes, it is what you might call rather queer. This time I did just as I will. This time it was me with my hand in the till. This time I can find no excuse. When I painted the house in a bright shade of puce, hell, I ducked and I dived, simply couldn't keep still. But at a hundred and ten, should be over the hill. But I don't care. I'll just do as I will. This one's called Whispers of Song. Her voice, whispers of song, breathy, snaking out from the radio, tuneful yet almost gasping, her sound filling the air, cheering the day, making her mark. It was an impact that she never made during her lifetime, that she barely even sold a record when she was alive. Now gone, she'll not appreciate the acclaim or the profit. 
They buy her sweet tunes, her dying voice, bringing joy, bringing comfort to millions. They were once too saccharine for mass consumption, but now they sit just right on the crest of popular taste. Back then they weren't interested. Back when she was hooked up to a drip on the ward, they hadn't heard of her when that last breath slipped away. But now it's different. Now fortunes have turned quite considerably. She died for them, for all those greedy record companies. Died so they could show some compassion at Christmas. That's dark. I'll read one more and then maybe read a couple more after the end theme. We've already come to the end of the autumnal EP. This is called Who Can Say? Who can say, are we sure, that our thoughts are always pure? Are we right? Are we wrong? Did we buy her latest song? Do we care? Can we tell? Maybe not. It's just as well. Who can say, when it's late, what is lying there in wait? Are we scared, really afraid, of the choices that we've made? Can we learn from all our woes? This is something no one knows. Who can say that when we die, will we come back as a fly, or a mouse, a ladybug, or some politician, smug? Can we judge all that we lacked? Can we be certain, be quite exact? Who can say? Oh, will we sleep? Are we getting in too deep? Will the time just slip away? Nothing change from day to day? Do we teeter on the brink? Oh, who can say? Best not to think. Okie dokie. Well, um, I hope you enjoyed the poems in the autumnal EP. There are quite a few in here that uh, uh, I, I really still enjoy reading. It's a little bit of a dark collection because I've been going through um, all sorts of experiences leading up to it and during the writing of it. Um, but uh, yeah, there is more to come, more poems to come this year. There is another collection, Not As Shy As I Was, which came out towards the end of the year. So yeah, expect to hear that before the end of 2023. I don't think there was a new collection in 2014. I don't think so. I might be wrong. I don't think so. Uh, but there were some reissues, so we'll be going back to more uh, of the 20th anniversary books um, in 2024. But anyway, that's a long way off yet. So uh, I'll say goodbye for now. Thanks for listening. Thanks to Muffley for being my guest. And take care. We'll be back again soon. All right. Bye-bye for now. Bye-bye. crying why aren't you sobbing out loud though causing such pain isn't something i'm proud i just feel you should suffer since i dealt you that blow i want you to beg me that at least i will know that you cared just a little that our time meant one jot i'm beginning to think now that perhaps it did not why aren't you screaming why aren't you pounding my door you should be a gibbering wreck isn't that what breakups are for you should be pleading for mercy, keen to soon reunite. I really don't like your silence. I've been expecting a fight. Yes, I expected some battle, fisticuffs, deep in mud. 
All I hear is my heartbeat. It's such a sickening thud. Well, why aren't you bawling? Why don't you show me your stress? Why don't you feel just like I do about this crumbling mess? I can't bear that I'm hurting. I can't bear it's just me. Why the fuck aren't you crying? I only wanted to see that you were shattered and tattered and ruined by this. Did it mean not a thing? Are you taking the piss? Why aren't you crying? Why the hell don't you ring? What the hell are you doing? Did I not mean a thing? I bet you found someone else, someone else in my place. Hold away with a new love, with that loved up look on your face. Well, be a bastard. I'm not bothered. See me doing the same. I'm not crying. You watch me. Two can play at your game. So why aren't you crying? So why don't you cry? Now our love light is dead and you're no longer my guy. Well, as you can tell, that's <laughs> about those times when you break up with somebody kind of maybe not meaning to or kind of not meaning it to be permanent and their reaction is a shrug and a sort of, yep, okay. And you're kind of expecting, uh... Aren't you upset? Don't you want to get... And there's no consultation. You've made the decision. you made the first move. The game of relationships didn't go the way that you thought it was going to go. Anyway, I can hear the theme music. Um, I think I think we have one more. I think that's kind of sad too. Oh, dear. Time to come home now. Wow. Really? No kidding. Goodbye, goodbye, goodbye. <laughs> yes, goodbye, goodbye, goodbye. This show is part of the Pride 48 Network. Find more shows over at pride48.com. Oh, dear. <laughs> What's going on now? Oh, it's the Shy Life Podcast. Let's go. I have a voice. I have a voice. You have a voice. You have a voice. We have a voice. We have a voice. Unique voices in podcasting. Univospods.net That is so cringe, oh my god. You're a man of culture as well. <laughs> Born romantic. Tired of waiting of hope upon hope. Tired of smiling and trying to cope. Tired of keeping a stiff upper lip. Time to make changes, no more letting life slip. Tired of failure, when just nothing works. Tired of bounders and bastards and burks. Tired of rebounds, of more lows and highs. Time to be practical, time to act wise. Tired of couples saying things are okay. Sick of romance, quickly fading away. Tired of searching for that solitary one. For a world of our own, all expectations are gone. Tired of looking for frogs to be kissed. Now I no longer believe Mr. Wright does exist. Maybe I'm wrong, I would like to think so. All my resolve worn away, nothing left now to show. I'm so tired of moaning, now it's time to be free. Yes, to let down my hair, spend some time being me. I do not now intend hunting out, oh, l'amour. Just lying back to enjoy a romantic no more. 
Well, there we go. I've got something I can read that's a bit cheerfuller. <laughs> anything, anything! Uh, anything in this book that's more cheerful? No, probably not. Probably not. Uh, so, there we go. Goodbye for now. Well, I think that was a wonderful episode, don't you, Bobby? I sure do. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Wow, that was a good episode. Oh, you know, all I want to do now is make that darling, charming girl another little bomb for him. I don't know, but sometimes this show is really weird. Six Six hundred and seventy-three. 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 Six hund